Across the Line Podcast. My name is Carlos Smith. Today's episode is sponsored by Big Ben Dessert, Charlene's Home Cook, 1136, Black Stock Road. Today we have another very special guest with us today. He's the founder of Tober Consulting Group, Mr. Julius Tober. How you doing? Hey, you're doing fantastic, bro. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I appreciate you taking the time to sit down with me. So before I start um, the conversation, I would just want to tell people, give people a little bit about the uh, the backstory, how we actually met. It was a few months ago. Um, at Jared's uh, Success is My Prey Power Conference, yep. um, I already knew I already knew Ben, I already knew Brandy, and I already knew Marcus. Um, so this is my first time having that chance, you know, interact with you on that uh, on the stage, you yep. know, as we did the uh, panel. And um, it was I, I I've been telling everybody that the panel, everybody on the panel brought something special to the to the table. And um, I always say, man, you know, when y'all were speaking. I felt like every word that y'all were were giving to the audience, it felt like it was for me personally. Cause yeah. it was like, man, I'm the stuff, the advice y'all were giving us, like, man, that's the stuff that I needed to hear from me in that moment, that particular moment. So, um, you know, we had a chance to, you know, talk out a little bit after the uh, after the after the conference, you know, and I know we both had a lot of stuff going on after that. So, you know, I was like, man, I just still want to have you on. I didn't forget about you. Yeah, so yeah. now we had a chance to finally uh, get down and have a conversation, sit down and have a conversation. So sure. thank you again. Yes, sir. Pleasure. Kind of just um, reflecting on that, on the panel, um, on the conference. When you look back on it, what was your initial take um, having the chance to sit back and reflect on it? What, did you, what was your take on the um, conference? Talking about the overall, the end overall. result of mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was a, it was a well-attended, great uh, conference of uh, people that were eager to learn how to kind of navigate their journey um, mm-hmm. in whatever kind of industry they was in. So I think that, like you said, I think that everybody had uh, or seen value in the different panelists that was there and the message that each individual person had, for sure. What was something that you learned or something that you took away personally from you know seeing all of those uh, people eager for information and and learning from those other people on the panel what was something that you learned something that you took away from it personally that helped you yeah i think that uh it's kind of twofolded i think on one side of it it was um the importance of the work that i do you know what i'm saying because there was so uh many people that was eager for the knowledge and eager to hear other people's experiences and how they was able to kind of get on the other side of things mm-hmm. and then i think that um uh, on the other part of it, it was uh, I'm always a student, you know, so being able to hear other people's uh, story um, and then just like you saying, finding myself in those stories or, or being able to connect and um, saying, OK, I've been in that situation or I'm currently in that situation. And that's how they move. So in a lot of ways, it's being just as much as the teacher as the student. Mm-hmm. You know, you've been in uh, business for a while and successful business and you get a chance, you know, hear other people's story and share your journey as well. What does it do for you personally, like, like for instance, when you're at a conference like that or speaking anywhere, but you get a chance to, you know, share your journey with somebody else? What does that do for you personally when you get to share your experience? Yeah, I think it gives me an opportunity to reflect on on my journey and kind of how I get I got there. I think that um, when you're kind of in the grind and when you kind of got your head down, just kind of doing it, uh, you don't spend as much time reflecting. And then so mm-hmm. when you're when you're speaking or, you know, uh, having that opportunity to coach to, uh, you know, a group of people, that's an opportunity for me to kind of uh, just kind of look at the man in the mirror in a lot of ways and kind of, you know, recognize my own journey, uh, the things I've done well and the things that I may have, um, you know, slipped up and, you know, and kind of um, corrected myself. Absolutely. So... Let's dive a little bit more into your story. When so, 
when people hear your name, the name Julius Tober, like what do you want people to think like when they hear your name? Um, a serial entrepreneur, um, someone that is very passionate about um, his people, um, um, having seeing his people um, uh, move successfully, uh, progressively through their journey. I think um, I've seen a lot uh, because I've talked to so many business owners. I've seen a lot of struggle, mm-hmm. um, seen a lot of passion. In the same time, a lot of, you know, integrity and, hey, you know, a lot of zest, but then just not knowing certain things is kind of holding them back. And then being able to kind of help them kind of see through those trees. I've seen um, I've gotten a lot of uh, value from that. So I think someone who um, who really cares about uh, not just business, but black business Mm -hmm. um, and really wanting to um, help us as a community move forward uh, and actually have equitable state in in what we're uh, what we're creating so where are you originally from are you from this area yeah i'm from spartanburg okay Mm -hmm. so what was what was life like for you growing up like how was your childhood did you come from a family entrepreneurs like what was um, your childhood like? yeah so uh, pretty much i was born into a family of entrepreneurs Mm-hmm. So um, everybody in my family was an entrepreneur. It doesn't matter. My granddaddy, my grandmother, my my mother, my uncle, uh, you name it, they had their own business. And so my childhood was, I spent a lot of time with my grandmother. And she was the accountant of the bookkeeper of the family. Mm-hmm. And so I spent a lot of time kind of watching her handle a lot of HR-related uh, situations for payroll and different employees and the different things that would go in and out of those things. So I would say my childhood was uh, kind of being the nosy little kid in mm-hmm. uh, these uh, in these older people's businesses, kind of like uh, just kind of trying to figure out what the big people were talking about. Do you think that makes the difference? Um, of course, when you grow up, um, as children, when you grow up, you 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 you're able, and you become an adult, you can make your own decisions. But do you feel like? that was what kind of like made you you know kind of like become an entrepreneur just being around a family mm-hmm. of entrepreneurs did you feel like that was kind of like already like a natural path for you uh yes i think that that definitely played a huge role in it i think uh my family wanted me to go one way with it you know uh they wanted me to kind of keep the uh the family business going uh we was in logistics so 18 wheeler trucks and things like that mm-hmm. um and they kind of seen me to kind of be the uh, the torch carrier passed when my granddad and them kind of wanted to step aside. And um, I did want to kind of help, you know, with the family business, but I, I don't think from the aspect of which they kind of viewed me initially. Uh, my granddaddy was actually out there with the, the employees driving trucks himself and, you know, kind of really hands-on. And I was very analytical person. So I've known ever since a child, I was a person that was a very uh, critical thinker. And so I would always present options to them like, hey, you know, I can help the company get on the stock market and all this, stuff. even though I didn't know nothing of what I was mm-hmm. talking about, but that was just kind of where my mind was at. So I think that just being around that environment definitely impacted uh, my career. Did you feel like it was any, I guess, expectations at all coming from a family entrepreneur that you feel like you had to like live up to those expectations or most definitely. I felt that it is not that they put it on me, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but I did have a sense of uh, that I had to, in a lot of ways, um, one up it. You know, I had to mm-hmm. uh, I had to not necessarily prove myself. I don't think that's the right word, but I definitely wanted um, to make my family proud and kind of continue the, the legacy of entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. So 
in school, was it anything else outside of like the family business that you gravitated towards? Was it you know, sports or uh, music, anything else? Or was it just strictly like you were in a family entrepreneur, so you just knew automatically that, that was like you wanted to run like a, a business? Yeah, well, I think that early on, I knew that when, when somebody asked me what did I want to be when I grew, grew up, it was I wanted to be a mogul. So that was my thing. So I knew that I didn't want to not just own one business. I wanted to have my hands a part of a lot of businesses. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, that was mostly my my family dynamic and what I dealt with there. But outside of that, in like going to school, I was just like a normal kid, you know. So I played basketball, played football, you know. I did the things that you know um, that kids would do. Um, and so I can't really say there was anything that was. Uh, uniquely different about that as it relates to entrepreneurship. Um, but I was, uh, from the beginning, always in counties like these gifted classes. So mm -hmm. I always was kind of separated from uh, the majority of people in these honor classes and all these different accelerated pro uh, kind of gifted programs. So I kind of knew from that standpoint that, you know, I was, I was sharp mentally. Um, but nothing really in school, really, I would say, if anything, it kind of kind of double down on what I wanted to do because like this, I started to kind of see not that school wasn't important but I started to see um I started I in a lot of ways I think I was too smart because I was starting to say all right well this teacher who's teaching me business doesn't own a business exactly. mm -hmm. so I would start to question things I would go home and I would question you know my parents and you know, my grandmother and my grandparents is like hey like this teacher is teaching business, and I asked them what business did they own, and they didn't say they didn't own a business. So then I go back to them thinking they, they was a source for all the answers, and we're like, how is that possible somebody could teach that but not have that? Mm -hmm. You know, what and then that? so that opened up a whole other door. So yeah. I think that if anything, <clears throat> school, um, I knew I needed it, but I also knew um, for what I was going to do, um, I didn't need it. Uh, I did not need to spend. I need. I didn't need a doctorate in it. Mm. That, and I was going to ask you about that as well. You know, coming from a, a family of entrepreneurs, you know, running businesses, and you know, and I was going to ask, you know, how did that conflict with your education? Because like I say. The teacher didn't have a business, but they were teaching business courses. But you have a family of entrepreneurs that have a bit that run businesses on a daily basis. So they're teaching you one thing. You're learning something from your family. Yep. Um, of course, you still need to have get a, a, a education. Mm -hmm. and I was gonna ask, you know, how did that kind of you know conflict with what you were learning? Did it did at times did it make you want to like challenge the teacher's knowledge or? How was it? Yeah, I think that um, I did challenge the teacher's knowledge, but it wasn't based off of anything my my family was telling me that was contradicting it. You know, in a lot of ways, my my family's uh, viewpoint on the school system and the education was until you really know what you want to be, until you really know what you want to do, you need the school. You need certain, you know, there are certain things you need to know how to do, public speaking, you know, uh, you know, you need to know math, you know, you need to know certain things, but then as you start to kind of really understand who you are and what you want to be, then let that kind of dictate the schooling that you may need after that. So at that mm -hmm. time, if I'm 15 years old and I don't quite know, but then later I'm going to become a doctor, then obviously, we, you know, I need an extensive amount of of schooling but if I'm going to be what my my family is or an extension of that then I already had a lot of the the uh, the nuts and bolts of that just from that dynamic talk a little bit about the mindset of a, of a, a young a young teenager that age you know with all that knowledge you know, for me I didn't really pick up on entrepreneurship really until you know 
after college. Um, and then once I got into the real world, it was kind of like, man, I felt like, and we was talking about this yesterday with Darren, and, and I was like, and to a certain degree, I was like, man, the school system really didn't give us those life skills mm -hmm. and prepare us for the real world. It was like, it wasn't until I finally got out there and I told him my, one of my moments was when I finally, about six months after graduation, and I got this student loan bill in the yeah. mail, and it was like $500 a month. And I'm like, how, I just graduated six months ago. How can uh, somebody just fresh out of college, you know, pay this type of yeah. money? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, man, school didn't really, you know, prepare me for these different type of things that were coming my way. So, so for you, what was that moment for you like, you know, well, let me go back. After high school, did you go right into college or did you go? No, I went to the Navy. Went to the Navy? Yep. Okay. So at that time, out of high school, I was kind of in a place of, you know, what did I really want to do and kind of evaluating, mm -hmm. you know, uh, where my time best served at. And I went into the Navy. Uh, went into the Navy, did two um, six-month deployments with them throughout my term in the Navy. Mm -hmm. um, and that was literally the best I think the outside of being born into a family of entrepreneurs, going to the Navy was the second best thing that happened to me. Because mm -hmm. I think that in the Navy, the two biggest things that I got from the Navy for us, the value was a sense of discipline that um, I think is still serving me today. You know, how I go about doing what I do is very uh, methodical, you know what I'm saying, it's very organized. And, mm -hmm. and when I think back to where that came from, it definitely came from uh, military training. Uh, the second thing it did for me is it really opened my eyes to how big this world really is. Coming right. from a small town like Spartanburg, uh, a lot of people in this area think going to Atlanta is, is you know, is like going, truly going out of town. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And so when now I'm in the, uh, the Navy, I'm, I'm actually across the world for six months at a time. I'm able to see countries that, you know, people would never see, you know, talk to people that people would never talk to and ask real life questions to try to understand. So I think that with me being raised and just having a mind being having that analytical mind then being placed in countries where i could ask questions and have a dialogue or like hey why is this this way why do you why do y'all view america like this and da -da 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 -da, you know mm -hmm. what i'm saying and just to hear these real responses uh it really opened my eyes and gave me a different uh world view i think for me you know i've only been you know when you talk it's crazy how you say you know going to atlanta and people look at it like totally different for me I didn't get on a plane for the first time until uh, it was going on three years ago. Now I yeah. went to, uh, my first first flight I ever took was to uh, Jacksonville, Florida, and you know I would go to Charlotte, Atlanta, plenty of times. But you know, you know, just traveling. I flew across the country, flew to California, but you know, just getting that different perspective. Even yeah. though I haven't been out of the country yet, but you know, just yeah. traveling to different parts of the country, man, it gives you just a, a different mm -hmm. perspective on life, um, and it just showed you there's so much more to life. Um, do you feel like people, you know, I want to talk a little bit about their comfort zone. Um, do you feel like people just stay in their comfort zone of, you know, not trying to travel because they're so used to, you know, the normal where they are? Mm -hmm. Talk about that, uh, that comfort zone. Yeah, I think that most people are just, um, they're controlled by fear. And so, and, and I say fear as the fear of the unknown. 
mm-hmm. you know, and so that what kind of keeps people in their comfort zone. That, that that's what keeps people living in their hometown their whole life, and very, you know, very rarely, you know, traveling out or taking, you know, the risk they need to take in business and all of this is that they just fear the unknown. And one thing mm-hmm. that even when I, you know, even though coming from a entrepreneurial background where I've seen, you know, people excel, uh, having my own experience, I still dealt with that early on, you know, just feeling like, man, will this work? If it doesn't work, what would they say about it? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, and then a lot of things that I did, I did it here in the upstate where, you know, a lot of my peers, you know, that I went to school with and, you know, that, you know, see me on a day-to-day basis, you know, they are watching me, you know, and so it was just a, it was a, a um, an immense amount of pressure, you know, trying to continue to do these things. But mm-hmm. what I realized is that's the only way to success. And so at some point I realized like, failing is a part of the process. So where most people run from failure, that what you really need to do is run into it. Like mm-hmm. you need to fail as much as possible because the more you fail, the more you build in that muscle memory. And then on the other side of that is a success. Mm-hmm. That was actually going to be one of my questions uh, later on down the line, but I just jumped right into, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of successful people, they always say, you know, um, you have to learn how to fail to succeed. Mm-hmm. So how do you know if you've actually like failed at something? Well, um, my definition of failure is just simply um, not achieving what you set the target out to be. Mm-hmm. So I believe success and failure is subjective to the person. Right. Okay. Failure looks different for everybody. Success looks different for everybody. So if you set a target and you come up short, I think that that could be considered failure. Um, But failure, we have to, especially in our community, we have to change the 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 emotion that we have around certain words. You know what I'm saying? Failure should Mm -hmm. not have a negative connotation to it. Failure should be positive. Failure means that you tried something and you came up a little short. Okay? Mm -hmm. So then what is the solution to that? Try again. Okay? You only lose when you quit. Mm -hmm. And so quitting should have a negative connotation to it. It shouldn't be shifted in Mm -hmm. no type of way. Shouldn't be uh, excuses shouldn't be made for you just throwing your hands up in the air. Mm -hmm. You know? So that's what I believe. I think failure is something that we realize um, we have to we have to have. Mm-hmm. And I think, especially in our community, it's like we, you know, you want to seek that validation or you, like you, you're afraid to try these business ideas because of what people will say about you or say you can't do something or they'll like, man, your business is not up to par where it needs to be. How do we get our own people, you know, out of that mindset, of, you know, not worrying about what somebody else has to do, you mm-hmm. know, just figuring out, like, carving our own path because, Regardless, people are going to talk anyway. Sure. So, whether it's good or bad, um, you you should want your we should want our people to succeed. But we know it's not going to always be that. You can't make everybody happy. But how do we get people, our own people, you know, out of that mindset? You know, worrying about what other people have to say about you know what they do in life as far as business. Yeah, for sure. I think it all starts with mindset. Okay, mm-hmm. I think that what we're going to have to do as a community is spend more time on self. Okay, mm-hmm. because the reason why we care so much about what other people think is that we have a low self-esteem. 
So we have low confidence in what we're our own abilities. You know what I'm saying? And so we need to spend more time with ourselves. We need to read more as a community. That's you know, right. you know, mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily have to be reading a book. Digest the book however you can digest it. If it's an audio book, whatever, you know what I'm saying? Digest the information. The more you know, the better off you are. The more confident that you're going to be in your own abilities. Then the more confident you are in what you can do, the less you care about what somebody else says. Because you know that, hey, this is what I'm doing, and it doesn't matter what somebody else says. It doesn't matter what they do. It does not dictate where I'm headed. So I think that that's a part of it, and then us not having uh, so mindset is a part of it, and then us not having a true destination to where we're going. And so me being a business coach, I always ask people so the first consultation, like, what is the goal? What is the end game? You know, what is the dream? And you'll realize right off the top, majority of people don't know. And then mm-hmm. if they do say something out of their mouth, it's very vague. So I would argue that's the reason why you didn't achieve it. Because you're not, achieve, you're not specific enough about what that is. So you don't have a, a true uh, GPS or a guide. So that means any opportunity that comes your way, you're going to think it's a good opportunity. And you're going to take it not knowing that it's probably going to take you off the journey of what you said you wanted to be. Mm. So just like if me and you got in a car and you just talking about uh, California, if we said we was going to go to California, neither one of us been there, we would have to set that GPS, right? Right. Because if we don't, we're going to wind up in New York somewhere. And so yep. that's what, what's happening with people in their life. Hey, I really want to be rich. But when you really break, uncover that, they're not really, they don't have good practices day to day that would lend to somebody becoming rich Mm. you know so that's the reason i would argue why you're broke you know what i'm saying Mm. and so that's the thing so everybody has this ability in them so i don't think it's nothing special about me i don't think it's nothing special about you Mm. i don't think it's nothing special about anybody because we all have the same not same talents but we all have gifts and our jobs is to find out what that gift is and become a master at it so it could add the value to the world I want to ask you about something that you uh, said at the conference and tied in to actually something I listened to, um, been listening to the past couple of days. Um, when we were at the conference and uh, thank you, something along the lines of, I might not have the exact words um, right, but you were saying um, you, you counted the three and you like on the count of three, I want everybody in their, in their own mind just to say, uh, I think a million dollars, something mm-hmm. like that. Um, and you were just talking about, you know, that voice your inner voice that you need to listen to. Yep. And it made me, I was listening to this um, conversation that Oprah did. Uh, she did about seven, eight years ago at uh, Stanford, Stanford University. And, you know, she was saying, you know, people would tell her, you know, when she was moving up the ladder, you know, moving to, she was living in Maryland at the time, and they would tell you, making great money, stay here. But she said she always felt like something wasn't right. Mm-hmm. She said she was always telling herself it was something more out there. She was listening to herself. So that made me think back to, you know, when you were at the conference and you were telling everybody to, you know, listen to that inner voice. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about that inner voice and what is that voice in us that is like pushing us, you know, to really go after what we want. Yeah. And, and so and it took me a while to, to truly wrap my head around this. But mm-hmm. the that inner voice is the real you. And, and so like me and you right now, we have to understand what this is, what who you are in the physical form, who I am in a physical form is a vessel. 
Mm-hmm. So, the, so the spirit is the real you. And so what happens is, is that we try to, and a lot of times it's where, you know, really spiritual people say, you know, where you have faith and you need to follow God or how, you know, you're kind of doing things on your own and not on God's, in God's way is because you are living and in, in trying to do things on your own when you're really, or you're thinking that the treasure or whatever you're looking for is out here in the world and it's not. And the thing about it is, is what you're looking for, it doesn't matter what it is. You're not telling me exactly what you're looking for, but I'm telling you, whatever it is, it's not out here. It's in here. So whatever it is, seek it inside. The treasure is in us, not in out here. And so the more you you uncover or you ask yourself why things are where they are, then you're going to start to uncover why you're doing these things. And now you'll have an opportunity to uh, impact that whatever that may be. So let's say if it's a financial thing, hey, you know, um, I have aspirations to be rich, but I don't have a dollar to my name. Well, could that be rooted in some paradigm? You know, how was your family? How was money taught to you? You know what I'm saying? How did your did your parents have a good relationship with money? You know, where where did your beliefs and money come from? And so you would have to have that conversation with yourself to kind of unpack that. And mm-hmm. it's not so like your parents did something wrong. They just didn't know any better. Yep. So if you're trying to elevate past what your parents did, then you're going to have to unlearn some things and then learn some things that your parents didn't learn. And then maybe they're gonna, uh, they can learn it from you later. Absolutely. You know, But that's, that's what the evolution is going to have to look like. Because you know? if not, then you're going to repeat yourself. So think about how many people in poverty uh, is in generation after generation of poverty. Mm-hmm. You know, all they know is their parents on Section 8 and food yep. stamps and stuff like that. And so that's the environment they raised in. And so that's their norm. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask you, you know, talk, you know, listen to your inner self. You know, those are some of the deepest conversations that you'll ever have. What would you say is one of the, the toughest conversations that you've ever had to have with yourself, you know, about your reality? And what was that conversation? Yeah, I think... Um, that's a good one. I think um, there's been quite a few of them, actually. I think one of the biggest ones that's popped off my mind when you said that is um, everybody's not for you. And I think that was probably one of the most valuable lessons that I had to learn because I was I moved through this life very naive about a lot of things. I tried to uh, partner and do a lot of different things in business with people that, you know, I thought had good intentions and things. Um, and the reality is, is that, uh, now I know you have to spend more time. Uh, it's not good enough. Let me back up. It's not good enough for us both to want to be successful monetarily in a business. Mm-hmm. We need to spend more time to understand, like, what roles do you play versus what I play? What values do I bring to the table that you bring to the table? And this don't even have to be a bad thing, because, but if I bring a good value and you bring that similar good value and it's the same value, it's not going to work. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because we're going to be two like-minded people. That means we're not going to progress too much. You see what I'm saying? Just agreeing on something all the time, then you're going to potentially miss things that you guys should have seen because y'all agree so much. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So you got to have a respect there where, hey, I value the role you play in this. Uh, you value the role I play in this. I respect what you're saying. You know, not saying we're going to agree all the time, but, you know, I understand why you're doing what you're doing. Uh, you understand why I'm doing it. And it's not so money motivated. 
And I think that that's the biggest thing that for us entrepreneurs, I think that because of YouTube and all the different um, marketing uh, things we have out here, where they're selling a, a, a lifestyle marketing that's that's not healthy. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. it, it's making small business owner, potential small business owner thinking, that's the that's it. Like, hey, I want to get the car. I want to do this and this and this. And you missing the most important part of it, which is the journey itself. Absolutely. How do you how do you cut into like you know like you say, there's so much information out here. You know, a lot of people on social media showing that they have this or they have that or like just so many different so much information. Like, how do you uh, weave through? Because you've been in the business for a long time. How do you weave through and figure out like what's real business and then like what's what's not. Like for for the average person that's like seeing all this mm-hmm. stuff, trying to get to where they want to go, but there's so many distractions out here, and, and it's kind of hard to tell. Like, is this per- person really genuine? Do they really have this or not? Like, how do you kind of like figure out what's what? Uh, to me, how I do it, and everybody's different, but how I kind of go about it is, I like people who didn't jump, who don't jump on trends. So I, it doesn't matter if you have some knowledge or not. I would tend not to patronize you if let's say business credit because i do business credit Mm -hmm. all right over the last couple years business credit has become extremely popular okay now you got all these people jumping into the business talking about business credit and we can do this we can do funding and all this but two years before that they was not talking about that at all they was on something whatever the hot thing was at that time you know what i'm saying so i like to look for people that has a uh, a true story of how they got into spaces hey you know for as me as a business coach how did julius become a business coach because i own so many businesses it doesn't mean that all of them were successful because they wasn't and i'm not going to claim that they were Actually, what makes me a, a, a valid business coach comes from uh, not uh, being successful in some of these things. Mm-hmm. The the lessons that I learned when you know I had a business go through a recession, and you know at one point I had tax debt, and you know all types of different things that happen in business that I would have not known how to coach other people through if I had never been through it myself. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what people should seek in uh, people that they want to have as a mentor, coach, whatever you want to call it, is really look for the, the story. You know, did this person mm-hmm. just pop on the scene, you know, a year ago because this is the thing to do, they're just trying to make some money? Or did I see or can I trace back and see that this person um, actually has done the things that they're talking about? Uh, me personally, I coach. I don't coach on anything that I'm not personally have my hands into. So it doesn't matter if it's Airbnbs, real estate investing, you name it. If I don't personally have my own money in it and my hands in it, I'm not going to coach it. Right. Now I was going to say to me that'll be a red flag to see somebody just showing all the wins and not you know telling all of the backstory yeah. because to me it's more important you know like learning those different type of things from somebody who's had these issues. I always for me. I, I can I can only tell you my personal experience. I can't tell yeah. you anything else. So you know, hearing that means a lot because you know I want to know like what's the struggles, what's the in and out, what can what can I prepare myself to go through mm-hmm. um, in certain types of uh, adversity um, because everything is not as an entrepreneur going to be peaches and cream. You're gonna have your good days. You're gonna have your have your bad days. Yeah. So um, that's that's super that's super important to know. For for you, you know, while we're still talking about entrepreneurship. Do you feel like it's being glorified for all the wrong reasons? Because it seemed like maybe over the past three or four years, Mm -hmm. like you said, talking about those trends, Mm -hmm. you feel like it's being glorified for all the wrong reasons now? Most definitely, I think so. And I think that um, that's where the... 
the the social media marketing, you know, kind of is mm-hmm. is kind of a gift and a curse because it's it's very uh, misleading in a lot of ways. I think that it gives the false uh, sense that everybody is a business owner, and that's mm-hmm. factually just not true. And we should we should dispel that whole notion that everybody should be a business owner uh, because they're not, and I don't, we shouldn't see. Everybody should look for the the most value in being the head of something. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. there are very very influential, um, successful. Uh, when we're talking about monetarily, however you want to look at success, uh, COOs, CFOs. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Uh, second and third in line in certain businesses. So I would challenge our people to not just think about owning a business. Think about your own value system, your own skill set, and what value can you bring to a company. And if there's a, a CEO out here that you could bring value to, then negotiate an equitable state in that business. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what a lot of other people have done, and they're just as rich uh, as the CEO themselves. Like it's, like you said, it's not it's not always easy, not peaches and cream. Um, for me, I I tell people honestly. I don't, I feel like to a certain extent I didn't really have a choice but to you know create my own opportunity because you know graduating like my internships I had an opportunity to cover a lot of professional sports um, the cover the Panthers and NASCAR a lot high school football and you know for me graduating um, I, I thought I was gonna be able to get one of those jobs at ESPN or Fox and graduating I don't think I heard was you know you lack experience you don't um, this constantly what I kept hearing so. It kind of made me feel bad for a second. Like, man, am I not good enough for, for these opportunities? But, you know, it forced me, you know, get down, get to the drawing board, you know, um, figure different things out. Um, I started interviewing locally, like local entrepreneurs. Um, and then I just expanded and started traveling across the country, interviewing entrepreneurs. Now, back with the Hornets again, you know, covering the Hornets. But for me, I tell people, you know, it's one of those. And I wrote a book, which came out um, going on two years ago. Now nice. it's like, I almost felt like I didn't have a choice but to create my own opportunity. Yeah. But now for me, looking back on it, it's one of the best things for me because, you know, I've, I almost to a certain extent felt like I was seeking validation from one of those major yeah. corporations. Yeah. But, you know, going through it on my own, it just showed me, like, I didn't need that validation from anybody else yes. but myself. But, you know, I would say it's, it's not easy, but, you know, the, the journey of entrepreneurship, like, if you have it in you, like, it's – is well worth it. Most definitely. Most definitely. And, um, and and another thing I would like to kind of dispel is just don't quit your job to just jump into a business and the mm-hmm. business is not cash flowing and it's not perfectly, you know, it's not set up uh, the right way. And that's another kind of, uh, you know, thing that's being put out here is just, you know, people that's jumping out here. I've, I've had people say to me like, Hey, I did not leave the plant job that I was working at, working 12 hours a shift to go work 20 hours for my business. So, you, so they they have the the opposite mindset of what to have. You know, if I could create 30 days, I mean, excuse me, 30 hours in a day, I would work them. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And because there's, it has nothing to do with, um, you know, the amount of time is what you're working for. You see what I'm saying? You're working on something that is yours. Nobody can take that away from you. So put as much time into it, and then you're going to be able to monetize on it bigger than ESPN or anybody mm-hmm. could ever pay you. And that's one of the best feelings for me. It's crazy because I, I, was, I was saying, you know, you know, those same corporations that, you know, didn't give me opportunity. I'm still in the same building with these same people. Um, so it's 
like I said, it's it's a blessing. It's it's, a, it's been a lot that I had to to learn from that experience. But you know, talking about you know not quitting your job, and we we spoke about this you know at the panel um, on the panel, and I um, I had Miss Brittany and Miss Brandy. They were on recently. Share share their voices on it. I want you to talk about it as well, since you had a floor to yourself. You know, talk about not just quitting your job. When do you know when it's time to jump? That's going to be different for most people, but I will give a framework around it. Quit when you don't have time to go to the job. Okay? Mm -hmm. And what that means is that you've worked your business to a point where you, you don't have time to go to the job because you got business to tend to. That's, that's making you money, if not more money, the same money, you know, as going to the job. Um, but when you're first starting off, you're going to have this roller coaster ride. You know, you may have a season where sales are up and everything's great, and you you're like, man, I think it's time to leave the job, you know. And then then you hit a low where you ain't got no sales, okay. And so what I did personally, man, I had plenty of jobs before I finally got to a point where I didn't need it anymore. Me personally, I'm not going to advise people to do this, but I'm just going to tell you my real story. Mm-hmm. I, um, well, this is a strategy for people. When you know that entrepreneurship is in you, okay, play chess, not checkers. And so what I mean by that is, is that build your resume up first. Okay, go and and get the top jobs, excel at those jobs. Even in your mind, you know this is not about to be a life career for you. You know what I'm saying? Build that resume up. Once that resume is built up, then you're golden because to the end of time, there are always going to be people looking to hire somebody for a job. Mm -hmm. Okay, so if you got a resume that's tight, then you could always get a job. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so what I did was I, you know, I used to have, you know, these big corporate jobs and all this stuff. So my resume tight, man, I can go get a six-figure job in, you know, anywhere. Okay. Well, with that being said, when my, at the time was a catering business, it was the first business that I had that I started to start to, you know, do what I'm about to tell you about. When the catering was doing really, really good, I didn't have time to go to the job. So I mm-hmm. quit the job. You know what I'm saying? And then, because uh, I just didn't have time. So, but then there was a period of time when, it, you know, that season of catering was over with. And now I ain't got no catering jobs. Oh, crap. I got bills to pay. So, I went and got another job. Mm-hmm. Work that job. Man, all of a sudden, hey, I got this big uh, uh, catering event. Da, 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 da. Catering started picking up again. Quit again. Not the same job, but different jobs. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? I would quit again. I kept doing that until I finally uh, was up in the air enough that I didn't have to go back to a job. And so uh, that's, that's, that's what happened for me. You know, other people, you know, you can stay on the job until you complete it off, you know, or kind of do whatever. But I don't want people to get the notion that to just jump out here and struggle, you know what I'm saying, to get a business when you know you got a family to take care of, house to take care of, you know, you got real responsibility. You know, that's going to put you in a situation that you're going to be depressed. You know, you're, you're, you're not going to be in a mental state to really grow anything. So keep the job. You need the job. But just be smart about the money from the job. Mm-hmm. If you know that you make $1,000 and you got $250 left over every week after you pay your bills, don't go buy them, Jordans. Go invest that in your business. You know, take mm-hmm. that 250 and say, all right, you know, it's another microphone I can get. You know, whatever the case may mm-hmm. be, invest in yourself. Keep investing in yourself until it starts to pay off. 
talk a little bit about you know the ego and you know you had because you you had to swallow your pride a couple of times you know and just say hey I got a job I'm making great money in my job and I got a business that's really taking off and then like you say so you quit the job and then you know you had that season where your business started slowing up so you had to go get another job talk a little bit about how that was you know kind of like putting your ego to the side and you know being humble enough to go back and get another job because you know a lot of people once they feel like they they're an entrepreneur they quit the job and they're entrepreneurs like it's no turning back because i get for one part they worry about what people gonna say about it mm-hmm. but at the same time you know it's okay man you got to do what you got to do to you know keep a roof over your head yeah. and take care of your family talk a little bit about you know not having that ego and being able to and going back to get another job man i think that that's probably um I think that that may be uh, the thing, the defining thing about me is not having one. Because in these moments, man, I had a restaurant that was doing $2 million a year in sales. Uh, Recession hit, had to close it down. And directly after that restaurant closed down, I went and became a cook at a steakhouse. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. In the same city with the people who knew I had the restaurant. You know what I'm saying? At that at that at that time, I didn't I, I didn't even I didn't even want to. And people they wanted me to be the manager and all the nah nah nah. I just want to come in, do this job, cook, and go home. You know what I'm saying? I didn't even mm-hmm. want the pressure. So I think part of me um, just didn't really care. You know what I'm saying? Because I knew where I was going, and I and I had already had accomplished things. I had already eclipsed a lot of my my cop people that I kind of grew up with, so it was, I kind of had this thing. It's like, yeah, even if I never got back here, at least I've done things that other people can't say they've done, or at least I've tried something that other people um, would not even attempt to try. Mm-hmm. You know, so those type of things. And and I always tell people, it's nothing wrong with having a job because, like I said, it pays the bills. Like I I tell people now, I I still have my job, and it's and I'm thankful for it. You know, it's. It's getting more and more difficult for me, you know, to to be at work and travel, shoot interviews, cover cover the Hornets. So it's it's getting a lot more difficult. Plus having family, but you know, like I say, you still have to keep a roof over your head, take care of your family, mm-hmm. and, and be able to pro- provide. But you know, like I said, that job is still you know, it's a, it's a necessity for a, a lot of people in in those different moments. For you, how how would you say it's like you know? Talking about purpose, like how how did you necessarily find your purpose? Was it you know working your business, or was it something like in your job that made you feel like it's not for me and I it's, I need to leave and go find my purpose? Like how did you feel like you, you when you really found your purpose? I didn't find my purpose until I hit rock bottom. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were things or signs along the way that was telling me that this not for you, you know. And so I always knew that, like, from the beginning, I always knew entrepreneurship was my thing. Like I said, as a kid, you asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up. I knew I wanted to be a mogul. Um, so I, I knew I wanted to, to do these things. Um, but when it really 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 hit me is when uh, I lost the, the restaurant you know got in the recession the restaurant was super successful had won all these awards felt like the rug got pulled out up under me you know I was right downtown and you know it's almost like center stage you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying like all this pressure uh rug got pulled off and under me restaurant had to close um had to deal with a lot of you know financial things with the restaurant closing um and in that moment um literally 
when I had nothing else to give it, give to it. You know what I'm saying? Literally, I had nothing. Like I have poured everything into it. It's almost like when I let go and let God. That was probably the best, probably the best way mm-hmm. to describe that. You know what I'm saying? I kept trying. I kept st- I stopped doing or trying to do it my way. It was like, man. Whatever you want to do with me, this kind of is what it is. Mm-hmm. But then I asked him for something. I asked him for clarity. You know what I'm saying? Hey, if you could just show me where I was going wrong at, maybe I was missing something or whatever. You know, uh, if you just show me what it is, I'll spend the rest of my life um, impacting in that area. You know, and then literally, it, it wasn't like overnight or anything, but like, you know, probably within the next year, uh, it just kind of came upon me that I should be a business coach. And then in that moment, it made literally everything before that moment all make sense. Because, you know, when that restaurant closed, you know, I was questioning God, man. I was like, God, you know, if you're real, why why would you have me create something like this, create these sales? And I was only like 25 years old when I was running, you know, owning this $2 million restaurant. So I'm like, God, like, why would you put me in this type of situation? I'm from this little town. Like, why why would these things be what, what they were for me to lose them? If if you real, so I mean, I was questioning him a lot, you know, between me and him, and uh, but as soon as that that came over me, it literally made all the sense. Like Julius, you, you couldn't be a, a, a just a book knowledge, you know, a coach. You couldn't be, you know, uh, a fad coach, a trendy coach. You know, what I'm saying you had to be one that when people hear you talk, they know it came from real places, mm-hmm. uh, and that's that's how I got here. Did you feel like you ever had a moment where you kind of like had to step back and? And check yourself, like you're saying, you're young, 25, you're running a, a $2 million business. Did, did you ever feel like you had a moment where you had to kind of like step back and, and check yourself? Because, you know, people in that position at that age, that's a lot of money, you know, to be running a successful business. Was there anything or, or were you still, you know, still remain maintaining your humbleness, you know, running that type of business? I wasn't. You know, I was a kid still. You know, I was 24, 25. And so... Um, God is a has a funny way of if you don't check yourself, he'll check you. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, what happened to me is, is during that time, I lived a very um, local slash celebrity type of a life. You know what I'm saying? Where you know I drove, you know, um, uh, Mercedes Coupe. You know what I'm saying? I threw parties at my restaurant a lot. Me and my friends rode around in limos. You know what I'm saying? We just, mm-hmm. you know, so I, I kind of. Um, got caught up in that piece of it, and um, and God checked me, and He checked me in a way where, um, what happened was, um, I was really tired one day, and my mom came in because she was helping me run the restaurant, and she was, uh, she seen how tired I was, and she was like, "Why don't you just go on home?" And I, uh, and that day was it was payday or something, and she had gave me my payroll check, and I was like, um, I was like, "All right, I'll go home or whatever." She said, "I'll take care of it for the rest of the evening." And before I um, went home, I said, let me stop at a bank to uh, go to the teller or whatever to deposit the check, and then I don't have to worry. One last thing I have to worry about. Um, going through the drive-thru, I got into a, I was on the phone having a heated conversation with somebody over my daughter, and uh, totally distracted, bro, like totally distracted. Sent the tube up the thing for, the, for, the, for her to send me a deposit slip back. The tube comes back down. I took the tube, put it over here, my thing. Still talking on the phones, you know, because I'm gonna fill out the thing. Got so caught up in the conversation, totally forgot about it. Just pulled off. Goes down the street, probably like two miles. 
police comes on, police lights come on. I'm thinking it, it was because I didn't have my seatbelt on or something like that. Um, and just to fast forward the story, uh, it is a crime to pull off with that tube. Oh, man. Um, and so not necessarily a crime that I got hit with, but what I said it checked me was how they handled me in that situation um, really humbled, pulled me all the way back because they took a situation because the, I was this young, you know, at this time, you know, I'm kind of like this little local celebrity. Mm-hmm. When, a, when a police officer sees me initially, he's like, oh, you're not my suspect, goes back to the car. I'm like, suspect? What is he talking about? Um, and then when he comes back, that's when he starts to tell me about what's going on. Well, the newspaper catches it and they flies off with it. Front page paper, or oh, local business owner, you know what I'm saying? Stole from the bank or something like that. You know what I'm saying? So if if I stole from the, how can I steal from the bank? I'm in a drive-thru. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, but nobody cares about this. They care about what's selling papers. Exactly. And so in that moment right there and how the media, kind of how that situation was handled, it really showed me that people uh, are only in it for what they can get out of it. Mm-hmm. And so what I mean by that is that they put a lot of energy in putting that story out. But then when the actual time to come for the court piece of it, you know, the real, you know, behind it, it gets dropped, you know, literally, literally it was me and the teller in the court and the judge says, teller, have you ever seen this guy before? And she said, no, I've never seen him before. Um, And he was like, do you know her? And I was like, no, I've never seen her before. He was like, dismissed. Because unless y'all was two in cahoots together, that's the only how this is, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? But... Then I realized, okay, well, the media did not come back with the same energy to cover, hey, wait a minute, you know what I'm saying? This was not what it was, you know what I'm saying? Looking for the adversity. Yes. Mm -hmm. All they want to do, they want to sell paper. So then once I seen that dynamic kind of play out, I kind of of peel way back. Mm -hmm. And, you know, stepping back from things, you know, being humble, you know, doing all these things from your friends – as you as you started navigating through life and figuring things out, did you find yourself having to separate yourself from from certain people, or did you still you know maintain your same circle? Like, what what kind of things did you start to you know separate yourself from? Learn from some of your lessons. I think some of the first things I started to separate myself from was for friends. You know, uh, or, or what I thought was friends initially, um, and, and we was just more like colleagues or just you know associates. You know, because the things that you know they always called me the mayor. You know, because I've always um, had that type of a mindset. And so what I started to realize is that none of my friends at the time had uh, that type of mindset, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. not even similar. You know, a lot of them didn't even have no idea what they wanted to do. You know, they really didn't care. And then so I found myself initially hanging around the the popular people, not necessarily the people that um, actually knew where they were going. Mm-hmm. And then so once, you know, me hanging in with popular people and, and certain things would happen where you would think that, you know, we should all have each other back and different things like that. It didn't happen. Then it made me start to say, all right, is these my real friends? You know, and then I started to kind of say, all right, well, what what 
what would be a, a real friend, you know, what would consist of a, a, a real friendship. And then I started to kind of peel back. I started to say, all right, well, a real friend will act like this or be like this. And then as, as I started to put these expectations on these relationships, then I started to see where well, some of these people really didn't, they was just opportunists in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And so I had to kind of uh, uh, disassociate myself. Mm-hmm. You know, as an entrepreneur, um, I remember having a conversation a few years ago um, where Dr. Nika White, you know, mm-hmm. talking about entrepreneurship is she's like it's a like you know you have friends, but at times it's still a lonely journey because no, a lonely journey because nobody can <clears throat> understand the things that you're going through. Um, some things just only for you. Nobody can see your vision. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you feel about you know having those moments? Of, even though you have a family and everything, like and uh, come from a family of entrepreneurs as well, like about that sense of like loneliness do you ever feel those moments like that anything related to that like as far as like being an entrepreneur yeah all, I feel, you know and honestly all the time you know and if any mm-hmm. real entrepreneur don't say that then they're not telling you the truth you know um you know i do things uh scared all the time or nervous but mm-hmm. it doesn't stop me from doing it, you know. And I think that's the difference between a uh, a successful person and a non-successful person. We both have the same type of feelings, but one person is going to let that stop them from doing something, whereas the other one is not going to hinder them at all. They're going to do it scared. They're going to do it nervous, mm-hmm. uh, and those type of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll say, man. So even days when I'm on the road, if I have to go somewhere by myself or going uh, traveling, covering games, like. At times, I still feel like, man, I'm. To me, I'm like, I'm. I'm telling myself, I'm doing it for a bigger purpose. You yep. know, it's to help, influence, and inspire other people. But man, it's some of those days when you're on the road, it, it gets tough. It's lonely. Yeah. Sometimes I had to tell myself, even taking some flights by myself to go do interviews. I'm like, man, I, I'm like, am I really doing the right thing? You know, yeah. it, it gets. I have those questions at times, but I understand. I main thing I tell myself, you know, just doing it. For a bigger purpose, and understand like your journey is here to you know not just for you, it's to yeah, help other people for sure. But that's one of those things for me. It's like you know just that's how I, just coping with that uh, loneliness is like man, just understanding like your journey is gonna help yeah. other people. You the only person that you have to uh, uh, prove something to is yourself. You know what I'm saying? And so if you feel you're doing the right thing and it feels good um, and you feel like you on purpose, then that's the thing to be doing. And you're going to have to kind of block everything out. You know, even though I came from a family of entrepreneurs, I'm I'm their I'm their wildest dream, too. So what that means is that in a lot of ways, even though I can talk to them, they understand a lot of um um, entrepreneurial aspects of things, uh, they still have a certain um, governor on them. You see mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And so I have to take the advice that they give me, even still, with a grain of salt. You know, hey, I value what you're saying, but I, I'm also um, I've also corrected a lot of the things that y'all have kind of went through, so I kind of understand something maybe a little bit differently. So yes, I value you, but it doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to um, uh, use it in my decision making. I want to ask you about this quote that uh, you you posted this last month and uh, powerful quote. Um, I actually had to uh, break it down a little bit, uh, just paraphrasing a little bit. It was mm-hmm. talking about you know running a business. You said running a business is hard and it can cause stress and anxiety and drain you to a point of depression. People will talk about you, compare you to others, view you as a, as a service and not as a person. 
Family and friends will expect discounts. It's a reason you don't see many people succeed in small businesses after five to 10 years. Be kind, patient, and hopefully more of us will stick around. Talk a little bit about, you know, that quote of, you know, um, just people expecting discounts or not viewing you just even as a person. Like, talk a little bit about that as an entrepreneur. Yeah, I think that's the biggest hurdle um, or the, the the biggest hurdle and the, the we have to, as entrepreneurs, build a tougher skin because I think that that is – in the back of our minds, we all, and that's why that that post uh, was uh, got the, the attention that it did, is because that that speaks to everybody. If you're an entrepreneur, you 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 have been faced with that in every avenue. Uh, but the thing about it is, is that you have to um, you have to have discernment. You got to know how to say no. And if uh, and that's when you really see who is who, because your your true supporters are not going to ask for discounts. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They're going to see, hey, I'm going to actually you know tip more or give a little more because I know why you're doing what you're doing. And so um, it's, it's for you. What we have to do as entrepreneurs is be able to um, decipher for what is genuine and what is not so it doesn't slow down our progress because we already are fighting mental battles on ourselves. It's like you just said, every time I make a trip or every time I do here, I'm, I'm questioning myself, is this the right thing to do? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Am I moving in the right direction? So, you know, if you're going to have that battle yourself, then why have that battle with, with other people? You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, they're not going to they're not going to play a role, good or bad, in, you know, the end result. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So it's truly you versus you. Mm-hmm. And just like Steve Harvey said, he said something that caught my attention. It was like, if you're already going through hell, why would you stop there? Like, yeah. keep going. You know, mm-hmm. on the other side of that, and that's the same thing I feel about failure. You know what I'm saying? If Or, you know, slow season. So if you're doing something, you don't quite, don't see the fruits of it yet, why stop right there? Why quit? You know what I'm saying? I mean, you already out here. If you've already been spending money, you've already made the investment, right? Mm-hmm. You know, why stop now? And then once you have done, how long have you had this podcast? Probably consistently Four years now? Yeah, it's too expensive to quit now. Yeah, way you see too what I'm saying? Expensive. That's what I'm saying. Think about you too far in. Yeah. And, and you, even the even the mics and equipment that we have, like my friends, they and my brother, they they all, you know, contributed to this. They saw me because when I started, only thing I had was a laptop and uh just one camera and and from there they invested in me. That's when I finally started traveling, um, doing the self investment tour. But, you know, especially when you see the people that, you know, pour into you and Most support definitely. your dream and your vision. I got my best friend here running the camera behind the scenes. Um, that's another reason, like, man, you can't you yeah. came too far to quit yeah. because so many people are, are pouring into you and investing in you. Like, why would you stop? Mm-hmm. Like you said, it's, to yeah. me, it just means so much more, you know, to show people to the, my appreciation to them is like, hey, you invested in me, yeah. so now I'm I'm going to pour back into you and just show you that everything that you invested in me is is uh was worth the investment for sure. And that's when you know you're on purpose. You know what I'm saying? When people take their um their resources to help you move your project forward, then you know then they see something. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They see the value in what you're doing, and they want to encourage you to keep going. Mm-hmm. And so you know that's another thing about guys. Like when you on purpose and you moving in life, you don't have to have it figured out. You know what I'm exactly. saying? So yep, us as a community, we have to stop overthinking. Overthinking is leading to anxiety and stress, which is causing disease and killing us. You know what I'm saying? We need to know or spend enough time with ourselves where we get in purpose 
and we and we walk into that purpose. And if we're walking in the purpose, then God is going to bring every person that we need uh, along that journey. You're gonna be like, oh my God, I was literally just thinking about I needed somebody like this, and here you are. Mm-hmm. That type of thing. It's crazy when you talk about when you said that about how God will send people in your life. I remember, you know, I, I write on a daily basis of. Um, I write, I start my morning hours writing everything that I'm thankful for, and then I have an, another paper um, that I just write my goals, and, and it's just speaking myself into, like, the thing, manifesting the things that I want in life. And uh, this was two two years ago. I just write down a list of places I want to go to for the self-investment tour. So I wrote down um, I wrote down California. Read an article. This lady has a mannequin business. I shared this on the podcast before. Uh, I read the the story about uh, I read her article. Um, it's called Mannequin Madness. So I reached out to her, sent the email, and uh, she hit me back probably within thirty minutes. And she was like, "Hey, I, lo- um, I love what you're doing." She said, "Have you ever been to the Bay Area?" I said, "No, ma'am." She said, "I tell you what, if you want to come out here, don't worry about paying uh, stay in my Airbnb." She said, "The only thing you have to do is p- pay a cleanup fee." So for a whole entire weekend in, in Oakland, California, we we pay I think I paid like one hundred forty five dollars nice. for an entire weekend. Like I was like I didn't know how I was gonna get out. Yeah, here. I just reached out to this lady like you said. Like when you want something and and you have a purpose, like God will figure will make a way for yes. you to get there every time. Um, I didn't. I was just like man, I don't know how I'm gonna get out here. But and even to this day, it's crazy. She just reached out to me the early part of this year, um, at the beginning of this year, uh, and just like. She was asking me, you know, because she, she's really been pushing for me, you know, to relocate. She was, uh, she even one time, she was like, hey, if, if you're serious about what you want to do, um, you should come out here to uh, California and I'll help you, you know, get on your feet out here. Yeah. And I've been telling her, you know, that's one of my, one of my biggest battles. I've been, you know, talking to myself and that, having the intuition and listening to myself is, you know, figuring out, am I, do I really want to leave or do I want to stay home? Mm-hmm. Part of me wants to leave to like relocate to a bigger market, but then to me, I, like I was telling Brittany, I want to stay home and build something for the people, almost to the point where like, in a sports, like a sports um, comparison, it's like, like when LeBron left and he came back home and brought the yeah. championship back home to Cleveland. Yeah. To me, it would feel much more purposeful if I stayed home and built something for the people as opposed to relocate, which I understand at times you do need to, you know, yeah. to leave, but I want to be home. But, you know, just tying that back in, like when you want something and you're moving in purpose, God is still yeah. going to figure out a way for you to yeah. have that in. in but that's what I did. I mean, I have so many opportunities to to be in, in bigger <clears throat> markets, but same thing that you're talking about. You know, uh, I wanted to uh, create something here uh, for our people um, to have something of, of, of substance, of magnitude. Mm-hmm. Um, so, no, I totally get that. And the thing about it is that what you're doing is all you're doing is delaying your um, your your blessing for a bigger payday. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so what I mean by that is, is that like me and you, you could go to L.A. right now and, and, and do extremely well. Probably make more money doing this in LA than you're doing it right now. Okay? Mm-hmm. But the reality is is that that money's gonna come quick. What you're building here will be what will last almost like a legacy building type of a thing. You mm-hmm. see what I'm saying? A legacy pa- platform where now when you get paid from your local market, it's, it's, it's a longer payday because what has happened is now these people from these other markets have not came here and they're looking for the podcast shows. They're looking for the same things that they had when they was in New York. Mm-hmm. They come down here and they're looking for that. Then they meet you. 
Yep. You see what I'm saying? Yep. And then and so my thing is that I, that's that's kind of how I am as well. That's why everything is kind of still based um, out of Sparmer. I have clients all over this country, but it was very intentional for me to be headquartered in the hometown that that I was mm-hmm. born and raised in. And for me, you know, just that relatability. Um, I want people to be able to see somebody that looks like them from the same places. I went to these. I was sat in these same classrooms, went to the same schools, and everything. Um, Somebody that looks like them to be from this area has built something for them, like showing them that if, if I can do it, yep. that you can do the same thing that I'm doing. There's nothing special about me. I'm not the smartest, not the most athletic, anything. So if I had the opportunity, like I tell people, like I started everything that I'm doing with a laptop. Mm-hmm. So if I can start from a laptop, take that and branch out across the country, you know, cover professional sports, sit in front of the greatest athletes in the world. If I can do it, mm-hmm. then you can do it. So that's why it's so important for me. And I want you to speak about that relatability factor as well. Like, how important is it for you to, you know, to see people that somebody that's from their hometown, they can just reach out and touch you and just like, he did it, I can do it. How important is that, like, relatability factor yeah, for you? it's everything. And it's the reason why, you know, like I said, I've taken a lot less money to stay here, you know, um, mm-hmm. because that is very important for me because growing up, and this kind of circles back to the beginning part of our um, interview, um, I realized the upbringing that I received was not what most – people would receive you know most people do not are not born into a family a whole family of entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. so my thing is is being able to uh, create uh, businesses create um, an image where I'm still very relatable you can still come up to my office you can still touch me you'll still see me out in the community still see my family out Uh, because now that gives a different perception of what success could be you know in our community here you know you know to have you know super success or to be a multi-millionaire or drive a lamborghini or whatever people are looking at uh you have to be a professional football player drug dealer mm-hmm. or something like that coming from our community but when you see uh me have these things and I, you ask me hey what do you do and i say i'm a business coach business coach business coach can 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 do that most definitely oh i own my own podcast oh wow you could do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Come here. I actually would show you. You know what I'm saying? So I think it got to be deeper than just us having a present, you know, just having this being still here. We got to be open to um, uh, giving back knowledge. Mm-hmm. You know, and I see a lot of people that get to a certain place, then they start to hoard it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Instead of saying, all right, well, you like that car? Let me teach you how to get one mm-hmm. like me. I think that type of thing. To me, it's the worst feeling is when it's. Our own people that make it to a certain level, yeah. and then it's like they almost turn their back or they don't want to show us and give somebody else, bring somebody else. Yeah. To me, that's more hurtful than as a racist, somebody who, who who doesn't want to do this because they don't like the color of our skin. When it's our own people, yep. and then they don't want to help us or show us the way. And Because then you're just keeping us, our people. We already had a 400-year, a, a we, the we didn't have a 400 year head start, so mm-hmm. we're still trying to catch up. Yeah. So for our people, you know, we need to, you know, inspire other people, and you know, like you said, it's important for us, you know, to show people the way, and not, like you said, hold all the information. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So, so that's like I said, that's literally why, you know, um, how I got here in the space of business coaching, and why I'm so passionate about doing it, is because um, uh, it, it's not my thing to have 
have the 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 success the uh, the materialistic things of success without showing our people how to get it because I've always believed if you don't show people how to get it then you become a target mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying yeah. and so you know hey you can't be the only one driving their Lamborghini you know what I'm saying you gotta gotta be two three other people around they got one too you know so you gotta help put other people in position just so they they're not targeting you mm-hmm. I think it was this uh, quote that I heard from. Uh I was watching Denzel, he did an interview um, sometime last year, and he said, you never see, speaking about like hoarding information and everything, he said, you never see a U-Haul behind a hearse. Mm-hmm. You can't carry that information with you. Yep. So even for me, you know, getting back into, you know, covering the Hornets, one of my things is, as far as my business, I want to build it to where, you know, I want to be able to let other people go cover these events who are up-and-coming journalists, because eventually for me, as, as I continue to get older, like, I wanted I want younger people in journalism field to be able to go Most cover definitely. these because I know how I felt you know reaching out trying to get these opportunities and the door was shut in your yep. face so for me I want to be able to you know open yep. that door and say hey if you want to go now here's your opportunity take mm-hmm. advantage of this opportunity because I know how it was and plus you don't see a lot of us working in the media as well no so it's a it's like we don't get to put our stories out it's a different narrative. When when uh, other journalists are telling stories about African American men, like yes. even you see it all the time with sports, it's like uh, painting a certain narrative of some athletes coming from broken homes yep. and all that yep. type of stuff. Yep. So for me, it's important for people of color, more people of color, to get in that field. Mm-hmm. So I want to be another avenue for other people. You know, hey, if you want to go. Here's your opportunity to take advantage of the opportunity. Most definitely. And so when you think about your purpose of your life, when you say, hey, you know, I wanted to go to ESPN, but, you know, I felt like I was forced to do this. Yeah, God, this maybe have realigned you so you can make a bigger impact. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe at ESPN you would have got a nice check, but not make the impact that you're able to make with Cross the Line. Absolutely. And then, you know, some people, when you – it's hard, like, people would tell you, even Oprah was saying in that interview, she's like, hey, you work for a great company, you stay there, you get to one of those ESPNs or Fox, it's like, you think that's the cream of the crop and you think that's it. So people will tell you, hey, you're here, you're at the top, yep. stay here. Yep. Even if you don't even feel fulfilled at those jobs, some yep. people will stay there because yep. they don't think it's anything else. Yes, so I do. Mm-hmm. It's a wonderful uh, blessing for me as well is because now it's like, I didn't want my whole entire existence to be tied up into another corporation. There you go. And they can pull that rug out from under you at any given time. There you go. So, like I said, I'm on my own. It's a lot harder for me. I don't get the same access to certain privileges as those other companies. But, like I said, I'm still in the building. Yeah. And, that's and, and still look to network. You know what I'm saying? Oh, With yeah. those people, get to get to know them, have make sure that they know your brand, your show, Absolutely. know you. Uh, and those things, and there may be opportunities for you to still work with ESPN, but not have to give up intellectual property or anything right, exactly. with your show. You know what I'm saying? To me, uh, getting a job then is a lot different because you now you have your own identity. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? They can't take this away from you. You know, mm-hmm. so you go over there and hey, you know, you don't want to, you don't believe in, you know, their how they want you to do things. You can just easily say, you know what? I, I kind of go back over right. here. I'm cool. And I love the fact that I'm still, you know, connected to the people. Yeah. Like, I'm not, like, I'm still accessible. Yes, I can go over here and cross over and, you know, cover professional sports, be on the corporate side, but still, I can still come home and, you know, interview with, yep. with local entrepreneurs and not feel like I'm out of touch with the people. Yep. That's one of the things. I never want to feel like people can't get to me. You know, yep. not, not saying that... Uh, Everybody's worth your time, but still, to a yeah. certain extent, you know, if people want some information on how to do this or how to do that, 
they still it's like an open door you can still reach out to. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Got a few more questions and we'll get ready to uh, wrap it up. How do you keep you know being an entrepreneur is tough. So how do you keep you know your business from tying and affecting like your personal life? Um, having being very organized. Uh, you know my calendar on my phone. Um, I literally live and die by it you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. and so uh, i literally schedule everything i schedule sleep i schedule you know family things you know taking my kids to school you know their activities or whatever and so my kids know that hey if you got some activities or whatever hey dad pull out your phone need you to put it on the calendar you know what i'm saying so mm-hmm. they know that's kind of how you know uh, my life has operated and that's how i'm able to kind of be very um systematic and methodical about uh, about my approach uh, so yeah, I would I would definitely encourage anyone. It doesn't matter if you got one business, and I have five. You know what I'm saying, and a mm-hmm. family. You know what I'm saying. So, with uh, with having any type of business, you got to really learn how to be self disciplined and very very organized. You know, and then everybody's going to have their strategy for organizing. I, initially, mine wasn't even doing my phone. I was still old school, and I was doing the planner thing. You know, and I used to literally you know carry a planner around with me. Uh, and then now I'm literally using my phone and my notes and stuff on my phone. And so uh, so everybody has their, their different thing. But I would definitely say organization is the key to anything. Mm-hmm. Running five businesses, how, how did you know when it was time to, you know, jump from one business, you were ready to go from one business to the, to the next? Because you're running five, so I know mm-hmm. they can be kind of tough. Mm-hmm. So how do you know when it's time to, you know, spend more time on one? And how do you know when it's time to, you know, expand your business? Um... I think, so let's back up. So when we say five businesses, um, it would not be possible without good teammates. You see mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So um, I'm not a one-man show on any of these situations. Okay. I, I just play uh, the role that I play. You know what I'm saying? So when you think about any of these businesses, um, they're only successful because I have other partners that is just as passionate about that one business that we in business together about. And then um, and then it kind of we kind of all kind of work like that. But kind of how I know to move from one business to another one is initially – when I had one business, um, I had a decision to make, which was when I first started, my first business was Cornbread Consulting Firm, which we still have, is a, a restaurant consulting firm. So we totally focus on hospitality, restaurants, nightclubs, you know, those hotels, that type of thing. Well, they started to come to me for things or needing me for things that were outside of the scope of um, uh, hospitality consulting, but was still connected in the vein of business. Mm-hmm. Okay, and uh, and ultimately what they was coming to me for or was asking me about was capital and funding, credit, and all these different things. Okay, mm-hmm. and what I am very intentional about not being is a a, a jack of all trades. Okay, and so what I didn't want to do is I didn't want a one company to say, man, we do everything. You know what I'm saying? Right. Nah, you don't do everything. And if you do put yourself out there like that, then you're probably going to not have a lot of business. And so when so many people started to come to me about the this credit piece, I mean, which is understandable, you know what I'm saying? Our community has been locked out of a lot of financial uh, resources. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? So it was very understandable. I didn't want the consulting company to be now saying that we're we're helping with operations and we're helping with finances and stuff like that. Right. And so what I, what we did was, was create a sister company to it. 
Okay. Um, and so that's where the second business come from because it was a sister company to the first one that all this company would focus on is just uh, financial things. You know, yeah. help them personal credit repair, business credit, business funding, those type of things. You know, and if, uh, if anything, uh, those two companies would pretty much work together. Okay, mm-hmm. that's how two started. Then the other one started because because now I'm in business credit. Now me myself personally have a bunch of business credit. So what am I going to do with the business credit? Well, what is everybody else doing with the business credit? They're doing investing. You know, what I'm saying they're getting Airbnbs. You know, they're doing all they touring touring cars and you know mm-hmm. all this stuff. So that's how I got into that space. So I didn't want that to be a part of this business. So two other partners came with me and we created another business that solely. Did real estate investing okay mm-hmm. and so that's kind of where that third one come from the fourth one comes from is uh, we have a black chamber of commerce you know what I'm saying and so now we're thinking about all right well we have all these businesses but then is there a business or is there an organization out here that um, that uh, lobbies or um, speaks on the behalf of black business owners you know what right. I'm saying? So when you're talking about, you know, these federal dollars, local money, you know what I'm saying, that's supposed to make it to the black community that some kind of way never makes it to the black community, um, that's because they don't respect us um, as business people. Uh, they don't believe we have a big black business community. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so uh, we needed a representation for that that say, hey, no, you're not going to mismanage these funds. These are a group of uh, f- professional uh, black business owners and black professionals that um, that know the lingo, know know what right. they need to know, and you're not going to bamboozle us. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then we turn around and communicate back to the community. Hey, this is what's happening. This is what's going on. This is what they just said, and this is what this this is what this really means. You know that whole type of thing. Uh, and then the fifth one came from. Um, just who I am. So I've always been a person that um, if I do it, then I'm going to think my mind is wired in a way uh, to think about how to make it a business. And so this fifth one is, um, is a travel company, but I'm not a travel agent. Uh, Even though I have credentials of being a travel agent, I don't, I don't book travel for people. So our uh, our fifth company is Black Hollywood Travel, which is a a uh, destination uh, black travel group. Okay, and so the mindset of what we've been talking about is like, hey, there's a lot of our community that don't travel. They don't get outside of their four walls. They're so therefore they don't know a lot of stuff. You know what I'm right. saying? Because they're not cultured. You know, mm-hmm. and so that's by design. We created this group that would go to these exotic places all around the world um, and experience their culture. So last year we went to Dubai, stayed there for like a week and a half. Great experience. Uh, and uh, next month we're going to Thailand, and so that's a whole different experience. You know what I'm saying? So like every year we're we're going to different parts of the country, not country, excuse me, the world, um, to just absorb their culture and then like I said it really opens your mind and really have you kind of think about all right well how can I make when I, my home better now that I've right. seen this now that I know this is possible just like Dubai Dubai was like the biggest mind opening thing for all of us who had went because we were able to see how successful they are in a short amount of time like Dubai itself was built from sand in 50 years like mm-hmm. that was not even there you know what I'm saying and so if you can build a whole city of that magnitude in 50 years, then you start to question why does change happen so slow in America? 
You see what I'm saying? That's true. Why yeah. is black people still fighting for the same things that they was fighting for when Martin Luther King was marching? You see what mm-hmm. I'm saying? So that's when you, your brain starts to like, like, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know what I'm saying? It shouldn't take like somebody we're playing somebody playing games here. You see what I'm saying? That's mm-hmm. where the realness kind of come in because you you see something. If you never was over there, you couldn't you you never have that viewpoint. And that exposure, like yes, you say, sir. so so important, man. That's that's why I love doing this because you you it's a chance for everybody to get this type of information um, and then figure out what they want to do, and also a chance for them, you know, like if you want to step out of their comfort zone and travel and see the world, like you said, that's an eye opener. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never been to Dubai. I need, matter of fact, I need to get a passport because I want to leave, uh, travel the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think one of the places that I want to go to um, that I've heard great things about is Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, it was always this negative perception. Like you grow, see it on TV and you see those commercials about the kids starving. Yep. So, in my mind, when I was younger, it was like, man, I don't ever want to go to Africa just because of that's what I saw. Mm-hmm. But then the stories that I've heard about, you know, going out there, it's like you, you get in tune with your people. You yeah. say, it's just like, not true. You know what yeah. I'm saying? It just, you know, are there um, villages, you know, in the whole continent <laughs> of Africa that's like that? Yes. But that's no different than some of the hoods that we can show you in America. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You see, I'm just being honest. And so the reality is that. Uh, Africa is the richest continent in this whole world. And so when you go over there, you go to South Africa and you go to these places, you'd be like, holy crap. Like, it's it's totally, it looks a lot like America, but better. You know, Mm -hmm. because they now that all these people look just like you. You know what I'm saying? And you'll get an immediate sense of relief. That's how I felt when I went to Jamaica. You know what I'm saying? Like when everybody looks like you. That's how I feel about like like uh, black communities like uh, Atlanta, Baltimore. Mm-hmm. You know places like that where the majority of people look like you. You you instantly instantly get like this sense of relief for some reason. Mm-hmm. Like okay, cool. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, and that's how Africa really is. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's not. It's, it's, that's a, a fear baiting thing mm-hmm. in itself that they showed us on TV to keep you from wanting to say, right. hey, let me go to Africa and see what's going on. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and they don't want you to travel because a passport is really an international business license. Mm-hmm. So when you're able to go to different countries, you can go over there and do business. So when you're talking about doing podcasts, go do podcasts in South Africa. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That's powerful information right there. Yeah, you know, that, that's what that passport is for. You know what I'm saying? You're able to go anywhere in the world, and then now you engage, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. with these people, and you're able to see, you know, see the world for yourself. My, my, my bro- last year, my brother's in-laws came up here, and um, they, they, they went to um, Africa. And this, this is what really sold me on it, for really. Uh, they, would, they would walk, I think they were in Ghana, I believe, mm-hmm. maybe. And uh, he said they were walking around, you know, the people from Africa were, were walking around with it. He said one of the guys came up to him and said, came up to him and gave him a hug and said, my family, I'm so glad you finally came back home. Mm-hmm. So when he told me that, I was like, dang, man. It's like, and he was like, the stuff that you see over there, man, he's like, it's totally different. Like, yeah. just, They'll have you thinking that Africans over there despise African-Americans. You see what I'm saying? They'll tell you all these different things is just not true to keep you from finding out what's really real. Mm-hmm. And so that's why anybody, I would challenge anybody to just just chart your own course. You know, if we're wrapping those uh, podcasts up, that's my mindset. Or that'll be some of my last takeaways is to really chart your own course. You know, do take the risk that you need to take while you're young and do it. That was my mindset. Like, hey, man, I'm going to try all the risks that I can because mm-hmm. what I see 
and people 50, 60 years old is a whole bunch of medications and, and different things like that. And that's not the life that I wanted for myself. I didn't want Social Security, you know, uh, paying me my retirement because I right. knew that by the time we old enough to get Social Security, they're not going to have Social Security. You know, that money has already been mismanaged. So we, uh, at our age, have to really think about uh, how to build generational uh, wealth for our family. And that's by retaining equitable states in the things that we are creative in. I got a couple more business questions. Um, yeah, quick. let's do it. When you, being in business, how important is it to, to keep like your personal feelings away from like, making tough business decisions? Because you know sometimes people may not like somebody and don't want to do business with them, even if it will be beneficial for them. Some people, you know, it may be and vice versa. Yeah. Even like, even though, like I said, back to the sports again, like even some journalists, when it comes to, you know, validating, giving somebody an MVP vote or voting them in for a Hall, the Hall of Fame, yep. because they don't like the person yep. personally, mm -hmm. they keep that, you know, from getting in the way of this person getting their, uh, their recognition. So for how sure. important is it for you, like, keeping, like, personal feelings outside of making those business decisions? I really think it's everything. You know, uh, you have to be able to separate the two. Uh, because, uh, and I say this a lot as it relates to business, there's no emotions in business. So um, and if you bring emotion in it, nine times out of ten, you're going to make the wrong decision. Mm -hmm. Okay, So you have to remove your emotion from it. you got to remove how you view that. And if you cannot do that initially, then you shouldn't respond until you have you kind of have processed things. You know, And that's okay. You know, people do not need to feel the... Uh, an urge or a need to respond to something soon as somebody say something. You know, if, if they say something and you, you don't, your response is not one in which you, you know, just sit with it. You know, mm -hmm. hey, it's easy to tell somebody, hey, um, that was a great question or, you know, that was a great, you know, idea. You know, if you don't mind, I'd like to think on it a little while and, and I would love to kind of circle back and kind of pick the conversation back up. Mm -hmm. You know, and that kind of keeps you in control because when you're not in control uh, or when you're letting your emotions uh, kind of lead the way, you're not in control. Absolutely. And you're going to say some things that are not going to be in your best interest. I want you to talk a little, just touch on this just a little bit. Uh, and I seen you talk about, uh, post this as well, you know, the importance of like, you know, business credit and not using like your personal money. Like, talk a little bit about the, the difference of like not having to intertwine and like uh, the the business um, credit and not, not using yeah, personal money. Yeah, for sure. So um, let me at least give an idea, a, a foundational mm -hmm. idea, which is that to really define what uh, being a success or being rich in America is. Um, it is as a owner to own nothing but to control everything. Okay? Mm -hmm. Own nothing, control everything. So what that means is personally you do not want anything in your name as a business owner. Reason being is because that's a liability. You know what I'm saying? Somebody could slip in your driveway and then sue you Try and then, you know, everything that you have as assets is not fair game. Okay? Mm -hmm. So, own nothing but control everything by meaning that the companies in which you own owns all the assets. You're the CEO of the company, and so you are, you have access to um, to control these things, and you're able to drive the cars, live in the house, you know, whatever the case may be. And so that's kind of how you want it set up. So to to have that idea as a foundational um, idea, we need to now say, all right, well, there's business credit and personal credit. If I need nothing in my personal name, you know what I'm saying, everything needs to be in my business name, that's the same idea with personal credit versus business credit. 
The idea behind personal credit needs to always be debt free. Okay, you know, you do not want to carry debt on personal because once you get over that 30, 35 percent utilization, it's going to start to negatively impact your credit score and it's going to hurt your lendability. Okay, now, um, so the mindset of that is to always be debt free. Now, when you're thinking about business credit and business funding, your mind has to shift because business is not about being debt free. There's no successful business out here that's debt free. I would always hear Robert Kill Saki say something about. It. Sorry to cut you off. No, you fine. He would always say stuff about he loves debt for Most some definitely. reason because it, it helps him, you know, get yeah. these different assets and everything. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and that's what that's what I'm getting into. <clears throat> uh, and so the biz, how business works, is it's about not being debt free, but your ability to manage debt. Okay, mm-hmm. and so what happens is, is that the more debt that you can show lending institutions that your business can manage, the more money you're going to get. So I'm going to give you uh, an example. So let's say if I wanted to flip houses and a lending institution gave me a million dollars to go flip houses. Okay, Now, they gave me the million. I just bought my first house in the process of flipping. I probably made about four or five payments on this million dollars on time. Do you know what's about to happen? The banker is going to call me and offer me some more money, possibly another million. And so in your mind, you'll be thinking, man, I just got this long, just really started to paying it, and I haven't even put a dent in this million dollar loan. Why would they be calling me asking me to give me another million? Mm-hmm. That's because you have shown that you can manage the debt of the million dollars. Because whatever the monthly payment is, you have not missed a payment. Mm-hmm. So when you're thinking about business credit, that's the key to growing business credit is to never miss a payment. Never missing a payment is showing the ability to manage debt. If you can show that, the more they'll give you, the more they give you. They give you more, you show them that you can manage debt, they'll give you more than that. And so a lot of my colleagues now, in in kind of where I'm at in this season of my life, they brag about how much debt that they're managing. Ha, 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 we're managing $10 million in debt. (laughs) You know, um, but if you know the game, that's that's good. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that means that you uh, you have uh, access to ten million dollars to be able to uh, create cash flowing uh, opportunities. Mm-hmm. And then because it's a loan, it's tax it's tax free. Mm-hmm. And so that's what Kiyosaki talk about. You know yep. what I'm saying? So the interest payments and all the stuff that you're talking about on a loan payment is tax free versus it being your own money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was gonna say because you know <clears throat> with a person like a five people here like a five thousand dollar loan is you just instantly think you just want to pay that off and get it over with. But on the business side, it's like you're saying it's kind of good to have. Have that that debt to show that you can manage those types yeah. of payments, and then you get more. Well, it goes back to what you were talking about earlier about the four hundred years in uh, uh, wealth gap. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And so to ask, you got to ask. I always ask myself the tough questions like why or how. How did they get four hundred years in front of us financially? Okay, mm-hmm. and a lot of it has to do with what the messaging to our community has been about. They had us fearing the very thing that helps you get rich. Our community fears debt. We fear money. You know what I'm saying? We have a a, a don't negative, even like to have those conversations. We don't even like to talk about mm-hmm. it. That's how much we don't like money. That we don't even talk about it. Our community mm-hmm. does not talk about money, so it makes very much sense of why we don't, as a community, we don't have it. Mm-hmm. That's literally all they talk about. Yep. 
All they talk about. They held up in the room. They watching the football game. Amidst in that football game, they're going to talk about some business opportunities that that they have that maybe somebody else in the room can get uh, get a part of or just sharing ideas. I have a coworker. Um, he said one of his friends, uh, one of his best friends, is like just talking about his grandfather had a. Um, had a suite up in Times Square that he was sold because he was getting old and he couldn't maintain it anymore. And just different stuff like that. A lot of the people that don't look like us, um, they always say, you know, um, they got family that's going to pass down property mm-hmm. or different things like that down yep. to them that, like, when they finish school or anything, yep. it's going to be there. So I'm like, for, sure. for our community, it's like, man, what, we don't really have that luxury all the time of, you know, having stuff passed down to us or, or inheriting money or Whatever it is, mm-hmm. it's like for us, it's like the flip side of it. Like you said, it's just yep. like you know, um, being at a disadvantage. But like I said, we still need to have those conversations and be educated on it. Like, so if we are in those positions, we know how to handle it. Yes, you just got to really identify this is what I want for my life. So as mm-hmm. you start to get old enough to make decisions for yourself and you start to look at your surroundings, is this what I want? If this is what I want, then don't do nothing different. Because that's what exactly was going to happen, you know. Mm-hmm. But if you look at your situation and uh, you really want uh, things to be different, then you're going to have to start surrounding your people, yourself with people who had different circumstances than you. And that's something else I think is a very key to, uh, you know, my growth is even as, as high school. And I go back to that part is like some of my friends that I wind up uh, gravitating to um, were of another color but parents were entrepreneurs so i had one friend of mine a white guy um his dad owned a construction company and here we are in high school he married a lady and went on a a honeymoon for a whole month and left us at the house with the with the housekeeper for the whole month you know what I'm saying? Now we like in eleventh grade got this whole mansion to ourselves and, and with a lady here who uh who would cook us anything we asked you know, asked her to cook and everything. He literally in Europe backpacking Europe for a whole month. You know what I'm saying? So even though that wasn't even though I came from a uh entrepreneurial background, that that part was not my lifestyle. You see what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And so I wasn't in the hood, but I wasn't living like this. You see what right. I'm saying? But being able to be exposed to that, you know, as if it was mine, it kind of helped open up my mind as well. He was the, the, His dad was very nice. He let me drive his Mercedes to prom, and he treated me like a son. You mm-hmm. see what I'm saying? I think I was very fortunate to have something like that um, because he could have easily told him his son not to hang with African. I mean, there's so right. many different things or variables that could have happened that I'm glad didn't happen that allowed me to, you know, kind of uh, see what it felt like, you know what I'm saying, to live in that nice house because I was hanging out with it. My mom let me do it. So it was kind of cool that it was, um, that was the experience that I got and, and that helped me as well shape my mindset. I want to piggyback off that real quick. Is, was that important for you to, you know, you know, not coming from like that background, like, like your friend, um, but to still, you know, maintain relatability because, you know, like I said, people of color don't have that luxury. Was it still important for you to, you know, get that type of exposure, but still, you know, hang with people of color and, you know, even to this day, you, you know, like a lot of us, it was, there's a lot of black successful entrepreneurs, but even now, you know, still trying to get in that room with people that don't look like us. Mm-hmm. Is it still important for you to, you know, when you step in those rooms, do you still maintain your relatability to, you know, people of color? Yeah, I think that I'm at a place now in my career where I've built my own table. So I don't really, um, I always, I think I got this from Jay-Z, I always show up as myself. Mm-hmm. 
You know what I'm saying? So I don't cower. I don't, you know, I'm, I am who I am. So if I'm walking in a room of, uh, you know, of, or Asian, don't matter who it is, I'm always going to kind of be me. And I think it's, it's very, um, uh, centered or, uh, or, or, you know, uh, my, my, my center of gravity is, is my people and our plight. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that's always at the top of my mind. So when I'm in these rooms that our people are not in, um, I, I, I have a sense of wanting to make them proud, but then also wanting to defend at the mm-hmm. same time. These are going to be my final three questions, and we'll wrap it up after this. If you had to lay out a blueprint for business, just any kind of like whatever type of business anyone wants to uh, run, whether it's like a, a consulting business or, like you said, a restaurant or they want to get into filming, whatever it is, what kind of blueprint would you lay out for someone that wants to just run a business, run a successful business? Um, be honest with you, man, I would just start at the, at the beginning and say, become very, very specific about what it is. Mm-hmm. I think that too, too often we're vague about things. And I think that that comes from seeing somebody else have something that we think that we should want for ourselves. You know what I'm saying? So I think that we need to spend more time with ourselves and understand that you can get rich or successful doing anything. You don't have to jump jump lanes to go, you know, go be successful. You see this person being successful doing it. You know what I'm saying? You could be successful in whatever you have in you, um, but you have to spend time with yourself and get very, very specific with that. Get thoughts out of your mind in on paper. And that's another thing that we we think that's very cliche, you know what I'm saying, to write down your thoughts. Just like you said, you hey, every morning I write, you know, I do yep. my goals and stuff. That is extremely, extremely important. Most people just talk and don't write down. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't come to life until you put it on paper. Mm-hmm. Okay? There's accountability to it once you put it on paper. You know what I'm saying? You can write it down. You can go back and look at it. Like you said, hey, I wrote something down two years ago. I can go back and look at it and say, hey, did I actually accomplish that? Hey, I wanted to go to California. I actually was able to go to California. I manifested that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So once you start to see some things that you put up there and that actually got manifested, now that should give you more and more. Oh, my God, if I can manifest that, what, can I manifest yeah. this? Can I do yeah. this? Can I do that? And that's when your world literally opens up yeah. for you. Like I said, manifestation and writing your goals down and just visualize. Visualize. Give you a chance to see yes. like what you want to do, what you want to accomplish. Is like I said, even now I look back like, man, I, I really did this. Even mm-hmm. when I put those flyers together for the tour and I traveled to these different places, I'm like, man, I actually, you know, had something to look at and visualize and work towards those yep. goals. But you still got to work towards them. It's yeah. one thing to just write it down, but yep. like it's yep. so important to like work t- work towards them. And it's not going to happen overnight either. Yep. You got to yep. just, you know, stay consistent and, like, work towards your goal. For sure. My final two questions are, as an entrepreneur, I know you have a lot on your plate as, as a father, husband, um, so many different things that you um, running f- multiple businesses. Do you think there's a such thing as balance? <sighs> yes, there is a certain thing as balance. Um but you have to make sure that things are everybody that's a part of the process understands uh, what role they play and what role you play. I think that when you think about when I, it took me a while to say yes, because balance comes with communication. I think they, they're on the same line. I think that if you communicate really well with your 
with your support system, then balance is possible when you are, like me, a serial entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. But you have to know what it is. Like with my kids, you know, my kids are, um, they understand uh, what I do and they know how to how to approach me with things. You see what mm -hmm. I'm saying? And so that's a sacrifice that they have to make. You know what I'm saying? Because maybe their friend's dad don't own any businesses, you know what I'm saying? Works a plant job and has every weekend to, you know what I'm saying, to go take them, you know, and show them, you know, whatever. Whereas, you know, uh, sometimes, you know, um, I'm not as accessible. Doesn't mean I don't care the same. Doesn't mean that we don't go do things, you know what I'm saying? But it's it's a different upbringing, you know? And mm -hmm. it's just like how my upbringing was. It's a different upbringing. Um, not only am I an entrepreneur, my wife is an entrepreneur, you know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? And so our household, that's all they know, you know? Mm -hmm. Now, when, you, when they look at their friends, I mean, easily they could probably say, yes, there are some things that their friends are doing that they're not doing, but there's a, a tremendous amount of value and experience that they're getting that nowhere close with their peers be getting. You know, mm -hmm. my kids, um, you know, three of my kids, my... Um, uh, one is uh, 16, one is a just turned 11, and one is 8. The, and the two oldest are girls, and then the, the, the youngest is my son. Uh, the, two, uh, the, the two girls, they own their own businesses already. Wow. You know, um, and so that's, that's something that, you know, my oldest daughter, you know, she always calling me about different business things, and she's running, you know, successful business things and school uh uh, school pilots and different things like that and so you know at some point when I was working so hard I had this I questioned my own self like man Julie should you be spending more time doing this opposed to doing this you know and that whole kind of conversation but I had to always get back to my purpose why God had me here and if I was really walking in purpose then it would uh, impact the people around me in the right ways and you know I would like to think that they have you know like I said my wife owns a business my two kids owns one my son you know because he sees his two sisters uh, uh, doing business you know he comes to me and like hey dad I want to do a business like create what he says like create me a business i'm like son it's not that easy you know mm -hmm. and so but think about the things that you really want to do and if you think about something that you really want to do then let's talk about it and if we can monetize that then we will mm -hmm. yeah balance is one of the the hardest things um because you know i i asked that question to uh mr joe foster the, the founder of reebok when we did an interview a couple of years ago asked him about balance because when i was reading his book he was saying for him it was a point of you know he was going so much trying to build the brand up that he was just a guy just paying bills. Mm -hmm. He would be in and out. Family would see him here and there. Um, but they they knew who he was, but he basically almost felt like he was just a guy paying bills. Mm -hmm. So when I finally, when we when I asked him about that, he was just like, you know, the best thing for, to try to do really is try to include the family in your plans. Yeah. Don't exclude them. That's what I was like, talking about, yeah. yeah. Include them. That's the, mm -hmm. that's, the, that's the best way to do it. Uh, and not saying that I always have done that. So I uh, that's something that in wanting to be the best version of what I was doing. So I want to be the best version of a business owner, an entrepreneur or a business coach. I want to be the best version of a husband, best version of a father. Mm -hmm. So when you when you have those type of um, aspirations, then you know, you kind of try to figure out 
the best way? Are you always reflecting on your situation or your current situation and saying, hey, is there a better way that I could do this? So right. there was a time where literally all I focused on was the business. Even though, you know, I, I was always doing it for the family, the right. family wasn't as included like you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, it doesn't matter if I'm, you know, closing on a house, flipping a house or whatever it is. Me and my wife are having this, this dialogue, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm having a dialogue with the kids, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So the kids are, you know, you'd be surprised what these kids know. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they are a lot smarter than I think that we give them credit for. Um, and so, yes, it's including everybody in that is is has helped me, you know, create this fantasy of a of a of a balance because i don't think really you know balance this is like being you know uh it's something that's like being perfect mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying there's there's a pursuit to it you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. but do you ever kind of quite achieve it right. you know mm, that's subjective right mm-hmm. and so i think that's kind of what how, how i look at yeah. balance balance gonna look different in my household than it looks in yours because mm-hmm. it's like it's like it almost at times feels like guilt because you know mm-hmm. it's some things that I know I want to make want to, want to attend, but then it's when it comes to the business side, like I need to be here and get these yes. things done. So I have my son here with me today. My two daughters there with their mother, but it's been times where my daughter she had a school play, but I've had to go to Charlotte to go cover a game, or my son had a, a playoff football game last year, and I had to fly out of town to go, you know, travel shoot some interviews. So they won that game, but luckily I was able to go to the championship game. But it's still understanding. Um, I don't know if they fully understand everything that I'm doing right now. Yeah. Still, to to a certain degree, when they, when they look at me, they just look at dad. They don't, yeah. you know, they're young. So, but I want them to understand that, like, don't settle for anything. You know, whatever you want to go for in life, that's my main um, thing that I want them to get out of what I'm doing. Is whatever it is that you want out of life. You know, you can do it. For Don't sure. just settle. Yes. So I understand, like, I may be missing things right now, but, you know, I'll do my best, you know, to get to everything else. Yeah. But, you know, saying it's, it's going to be times where you want to be at things, yeah. but, like, you have to make those tough calls and, you know, understand, like, having that support system comes yeah. into play and um, helps out with a lot of those decisions. I, I would, yes, I, w- I would definitely agree with that. I think that um, our real roles as parents – especially as fathers is to be our kids superhero okay mm-hmm. and so yeah. and so what that means is to me at least what that means is is that your kids have to see you do things and accomplish things that are out of the norm okay mm-hmm. because that is what's going to give them their their guiding light you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So if they see their father take it being very passive, you know what I'm saying, not taking the opportunities and, and things that's afforded to them, then ultimately what kind of message are you sending? What type of legacy are we trying to build? I had a client uh, other week or so. He came in. He's a caterer. And his thing was, um, you know, he wanted to leave his kids something, you know, just in case, you know, you know, something happened to him. And at this time, he thought what he, you know, wanted to leave them was some grills. You know, so he was a cook or whatever chef and he had some grills like some you know I guess some you know smokers I guess that's a better Mm -hmm. word for some smokers and uh and the smokers had some value to him but he bought three of them bought himself one he got three kids so he said he bought his three kids one and his mindset was is that if I leave this world at least my kids got the smoker you know what I'm saying that they could Mm -hmm. make money or whatever the case may be the problem with that is, is that who's to say that those kids are going to become a cook? Right. 
a chef or, mm-hmm. they, or you know, that is a materialistic thing. Who's to say that, you know, 10 years from now, that's not rusted out and have no value. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, I challenged him. I was like, what would you think is more impactful for your kids? Leaving them that grill or you learning things at this age that you never learned before and you teaching them things way before you learned them? Which one do you think is more impactful? Oh. Then, then when he sat with that for a second, he was like, man, you, like you totally right. And I was like, we're not talking about the value that you give to, to a generation below us is not a monetary one. You know what I'm saying? It is us learning things and teaching it to them so they can grab it quicker than we grabbed it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. If yep. you're learning things at 30 years old, your job is to teach it to your son now. Yep. Can your son grasp these concepts now? Because if so, then he's going to eclipse you just off default mm-hmm. because you're literally teaching him in real time. Yep. As I learn it, son, I'm going to teach it to you. Yep, that's true. When they look up and they, you know, when they're a, a, an adult, you know what I'm saying, out here in this world, and they're going to reflect on that. They're going to think, wow, my dad really set me up. My parents mm-hmm. really set me up for success. You know what I'm saying? They really told me the things that I really needed to know, you know what I'm saying, that, that got me that one up here in this mm-hmm. life. And that should be the goal, you know, yes. to, you know, set them up, so, you know, so they can see what we're doing as parents. So, like you said, they can eclipse that at a, at a much faster pace. Mm-hmm. And like you said, we don't want to continue to repeat that cycle. We need to be able to, you know, break those generational curses. So, if we can start it and they see what we're doing, mm-hmm. like those level of expectations, they can supersede it. Yep. And then we can continue to keep it going even long after we're not even here. Like, we can continue to... Uh, for them to, our children to build, our yeah. opportunity to build a family legacy. Yeah, and, he, and your son may not want to do a podcast. It's mm-hmm. like when I was growing up, I may not, I didn't want to do the logistics with my family. Mm-hmm. But, you know what I'm saying, it allowed me, by me seeing them negotiate and just do all the things that, that a business, oh, yes sir, all the things that mm-hmm. a business owner would do, like I said, I look at myself as their wildest dream. You know, mm-hmm. and so you don't know that, hey, that's your your uh, son sitting here watching how you do what you do right now, mm-hmm. how you're setting him up for success. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, like, for me, I tell people all, I tell people all the time, like, when I grew up, the only thing I saw was my parents just get up and go, go to work. Mm-hmm. So that's what I thought life was. I, and then even after uh, high school, I thought it was just college, and then you just go to work and just stay mm-hmm. there until you finally retire. But then when I finally got out there, I, I quickly figured out, this ain't how I want to live my exactly. life, so let me, you know, create my own opportunity. So now that I'm learning these things, I want to, you know, show my children. And um, and so whatever they want to do in life, like whatever they're passionate about, they can go do it. Because I just didn't want to, you know, thankful for everything that my, my parents were able to do for me. But the way that, you know, that they live, I didn't want it to be my same lifestyle, you yep. know, just getting up and going to work. Until it's time to like finally retire. Yeah, I want to do something more. For you me enjoy your life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. So my final question, as we get ready to wrap this up, this has been a great conversation. Um, when I'm on the road and I travel, um, part of my self investment tool, I like I like to ask everyone at the end, um, what does self investment mean to you? What it means to me, um, it uh, to me, I think it's the lifeblood of. Um, of an entrepreneur should be the lifeblood of any person that is serious about self-development. Um, I think that that is literally the only way. That's where uh, if 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 success is what you seek, if a monetary gain is what you seek, um, 
it's very simple. You don't have to read or go through a thousand YouTube videos to find some kind of quick way to do this and that. You can literally, truly just invest in yourself. You know, it's important to yourself. Identify uh, the things that um, that you are weak in and educate yourself and strengthen up on those. If you know you're not good at communication, read books on communication. If you're not mm-hmm. good on public speaking, hey, every time I get in front of somebody, you know, so I start to shake or whatever the case may be. You know what I'm saying? Go uh, go to some Toastmaster classes. You know what I'm saying? Do some, you know, reading on public speaking. You know, get your, sharpen your sword um, mm-hmm. and be prepared. Uh, the person who, uh, another person, uh, another uh, defining moment of success is being prepared for opportunities. Okay, and so a lot of people, when opportunity knocks on their door, they're not ready. So we need to always prepare for the fight. You know, what I'm saying that's how a boxer would prepare for that match. It's the same way as a business owner, we want to prepare for these key moments that will shift our business in in that in that positive direction. Absolutely, it's crazy that you said it because during that interview when I watched with Oprah, she was just saying, you know, like well, her de- well, she was just talking about luck and her, her definition of luck being, you know, preparation mean the um, the right opportunity. Yes, and just being ready for it when that time comes. Yes, so. I appreciate. I love that answer, Julius. I want to thank you again for that time, for your time, man. I know we it's longer than what I expected to be. You know, I thought I figured this was gonna be. I knew this was gonna be a great um, interview, but it superseded everything that I wanted it to be, man. I really appreciate your time. Yes, sir. I'm glad we were able to connect. Um, you know, speaking of like books and sharpening your skills, what are some books, real quick, um, for people watching tonight? Like, some great books to help transform your mind. Um. I would say Think and Grow Rich. Yep. That's a good one. Um, I would say uh, Five Dysfunctions of a Team. So right there, um, people, you know, y'all definitely want Mm -hmm. that one because that really shows you how to operate in a a team um, dynamic. Uh, You Can't Hurt Me by uh, David Goggins. You know, you definitely want that. That was a good one too. Yep, yep. Solid, solid, solid. Um, man, it's 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 a it's it's a ton of them. A uh, blue ocean is is blue one. Strategy. Yep, yep, that's another mm-hmm. one. You know, the these any of these type of books, you, you can't go wrong. Mm-hmm. I think the first book for me, the one that changed my whole perspective on life was when I, I remember when I was buying my car and the guy was asking me what I what I was working at, and he said whatever you do whatever you do just don't settle. So he's like one of the books you need to go read is Rich Dad Poor Dad. Yep. that was the first book that I read that kind of like made me question a lot of things like man was was school worth it? Mm-hmm. But it, it just changed my perspective on how people look at money yeah. and just the outlook on life. And Rich Dad Poor Dad, um, The Magic of Thinking Big was another yep. powerful book for me. Um, one of my favorites that just came out was, uh, over, over a year ago now was um, Will by Will Smith. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's one of the greatest books. I tell people that's one of the greatest books that I've, um, I've ever read, you know, just him about sharing his story and, um, you know, just being a, appreciative of, of the things you had. And he spoke about his fears and how he used laughter, you know, to make people feel happy because yeah. he went through watching his mom get beat by his father. Um, but the things that he spoke about in that book, and one thing that he really spoke about in that book that helped me at one point was, you know, appreciating the moment, you know, as you continue to climb up this ladder of success, you know, he had a moment where he had to check himself, and he was saying how, uh, I think the, he had like eight straight movies that were number one in the box office, and uh, I think it was, I wanna say, uh, oh, I can't remember what movie it was. It might, it might have been Independence Day. But he was speaking of how um, the mo- movie did like $77 million the first week when his, his agent called him. He said, man, it's great. Sat back for a second, and then it was like, hey, 
you know, we made 77 million, but how do, why do you think we didn't make 80 million? And he's, the agent was like, are you serious? He's like, nah, he's like, yeah, I'm just wondering, just curious, it's like, you know, could we have did a better ending? Should, should we have shot it differently on this end or whatever? So he's, he had so much success as to where he's had to step back and, you know, check himself and understand, appreciate what he was going through. Um, and that was powerful for me because at one point in time, you know, two years ago when my book came out, I had a moment where promoted the book, book release came out, and then we finally hit the road and did a self-investment tour. So in a stretch of like three or four months, I went from traveling to, we went from Miami to Vegas, um, then we went to California, then I came back home and shot, a, uh, shot an interview with the founder of Reebok. So I felt like I was just at this point where I was just kept achieving so much success. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, I did this. How do I top this? How do mm -hmm. I top this? How do I top this moment? And then I did the interview with the final Reebok. So I'm like, man, I'm achieving all of this. And I felt like I was like almost in a competition with myself to, yeah. you know, exceed this next level of expectations. And then finally went home. I think we shot an interview in Charlotte. And I came back home and I didn't record anything for maybe like five or six months because mm -hmm. it was like I was just – burnt myself out, you yeah. know, trying to, like, exceed the next level of expectations. So, you know, hearing something like that come from Will Smith was so powerful because it just showed me, man, no matter where you are in life, you know, just be thankful for what you have and where you are in life. Um, still strive for more, but just be thankful. So, yeah. at that point, that book was And, and be patient. Point. I yeah, think patient is yeah. a part of it, too, because there's plenty of times when, like, with my first business, Cornbread Consulting Firm, the hospitality business, I put that company on the shelf multiple times because I was focused on working on something else. And so mm -hmm. I always operate with the idea that it's never over until you quit. Mm -hmm. So if life happens and you have to take a, you know, a few month break, that's okay. You know what I'm saying? Put put it on the shelf a couple months. Get your mind right, your mental health. You know, mm -hmm. do whatever you need to do. Then pick it back up. Right. You didn't lose anything. Right. And I knew I wasn't gonna quit. It was just a point of like, man, I just needed this time to you know just reflect and just you know just relax for a minute because I was so much of like grind, grind, grind. Yeah. Man, you did this. Like, what's next? Mm -hmm. What's next? What's next? And then it would come to a point where people would ask me, man, you you've been traveling all over. Like, where you going to next? So I'm like, so they asking me this, like. Where do I need to go to now? Yeah. So just hearing all of that, you know, people were happy for me to, you know, do all these things, and which I'm proud of, like, the journey, but it was just like a point where, like, man, just learn to appreciate the moment, appreciate the people in your life, because um, nothing is guaranteed. For sure. So just his perspective, hearing that from somebody from his his level of success, you know, was profound for me. So that's yeah. why I put that as one of my um, one of my top all-time books that I've yeah. ever read. Yeah, for sure. Um, but for as sure. we wrap this up, can you – Please tell everybody, give people one more word of advice, um, like word of encouragement as far as like uh, pursuing that journey. So give us uh, one more word of encouragement as we uh, uh, get ready to wrap this interview up. Yeah, so as a, as a seasoned entrepreneur, uh, probably the, the biggest advice that I, I could kind of give is to believe in yourself. Uh, to believe in your dreams um, and to know that you're not crazy. Know that you're, everything that you dream about at night and what keeps you up at night is all real. Um, it's, you know, and, and the only thing that will make it unreal is you uh, talking yourself out of it. So come up with a solid plan, write it down, um, and then start walking. You know, walk in the direction of where you want to go and, uh, and let everything else go, you know, um, and then let, and let it come to you. 
Absolutely. Julius, I want to thank you for your time again. I really appreciate this um, conversation, uh, much-needed conversation. Like I said, when we did it at the conference, I felt like it was for me again. Um, this conversation, I felt the same way. Um, before we get out of here, can you tell everyone how to find you online? Yeah, most definitely. Um, you can find us at our website is www.tolbertconsultinggroup.com. Uh, you can find us at Facebook on Tolbert Consulting Group. You can find us on Instagram at uh, Mr. Business Credit. Um, and yeah, and we're, we're pretty much everywhere else. So. Absolutely. So thank you again for your time. Hopefully everyone enjoyed this episode of the Cross the Line Podcast. So until next time, keep chasing your dreams. Thank you for listening. Thank you.